All right, friends, this is it. This is Resurrection Sunday. It's the big day, the biggest of big days. It's the culmination of the Christian calendar. This is a celebration because Jesus is alive, my friends. Jesus is alive. And if you're new to all of this, first of all, I would just say welcome and thanks for joining us on this really special day. If you've never heard the story or you're wondering what all the hoopla about Easter is all about, I want to just quickly bring you up to speed. We believe that there's one God. He created all things, including you and me, and we were created and designed to be in relationship with God. And this relationship would be one of us following, loving, serving, seeking, and, and centering our lives on the Lord. That's how he designed it. And in that relationship, life totally flourishes. We come to understand our purpose. We receive our identity and everything is good. However, we have messed up. We have defiled that relationship. Uh, we have rebelled against God. We have claimed ourselves to be God. We've worshipped other false gods. Um, we've gone away from God and, and uh, run from Him. We have attempted to fabricate our own identity and, and design our own purpose. And this is not how God wanted things to be. This is called sin. This rebellion against God. And the Bible teaches us that the wages, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. So since all of us have sinned, all of us, we have subjected ourselves to death and condemnation. And you say, if that's the whole story, you people have a really weird thing, a weird way of celebrating. And you would be right. However, that's not the full story. God loves us so much. God loves you. And he decided that he didn't want us to just remain in this uh, peril that we're in with sin. So he made provision for our sin. He sent Jesus Christ, his son, to the earth to make payment for our sin. Jesus lived and he died on a cross to pay for our sins. That's what we recognized and celebrated and remembered on Good Friday a couple of days ago. But Jesus also rose from the grave victoriously. That's what we're celebrating today. And Jesus ascended into heaven where he is right now and he's ruling and reigning and he's leading his church. Jesus is the hero to our story, and today we are celebrating the work that He accomplished. Through His sacrifice and His victory, we can be saved. Through His sacrifice and victory, we have new hope. We can be given new life. We can enter into relationship with God. That's the life we were designed to live, close to God. So that's why Easter is a big deal. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to be dancing around in a couple places in Scripture. So if you have your Bible, open it up to two places. One of them is Matthew chapter 28. The other is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Mark both of those places. We're going to go back and forth between the both of them. So what we're going to do to get started off, like we've done the last couple of Easter messages, is we're just going to read a little bit of the story. We're going to look at the Easter account, the resurrection account. So Matthew 28 verse 1 is where we'll start, and then I will have some encouragements for us after that. So let's read it together. It says, now, after the Sabbath, and by the way, the, the context here is Jesus has died, and he was buried in the ground, and now there's a couple of women who are going to uh, investigate at the tomb and see what's going on. After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. In other words, they gone. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, died on the cross. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So that is one brief look at the resurrection account. And it's a huge topic. There's much more to be said in Scripture than just what we've read, but that gives you a glimpse at what we're talking about. Uh, what I'd like to do is give us three simple encouragements based on the resurrection today. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this. The resurrection secures us. It secures us. For me personally, I grew up in the church and I heard the Easter story many, many times. And I was a little bit quicker to, to grasp the uh, Jesus dying part. That kind of always made sense to me because I knew um, I wasn't really the best person that ever lived. Even as a kid, I knew like I could grasp, okay, I have sin in my life and I can't really just pay for it on my own. And, and Jesus came to pay for my sin. So I got that. It took me a little bit longer to get the resurrection bit, like why that was significant. I always thought it was pretty cool. Like you don't just see a guy rising from dead, the dead all the time. Um, but I said, does it actually mean something? And over time, the Lord kind of showed me what it means. And to put it very simply, the resurrection is proof that God wins. If you flip over now to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to start at verse 14. It says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ, this is a profound verse, we're not really going to talk about it today, but if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, verse 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now flip just a little ways ahead to verse 55 of, of chapter 15. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. So what this all means is this. Sin has power over us. Sin has power over us. And the biggest hold, the mark, the defining point, the sting of sin is that it causes us to die. Sin leads to death. So if Jesus had, watch my hands, only died on the cross, 
then the sting of death still may not have been taken away. If Jesus only dies and doesn't rise, then sin has the final word. Not God, but sin has the final word. If Jesus only dies and doesn't rise, sin is not overcome or defeated. If, if Jesus only dies and doesn't rise, sin still lords over us. If Jesus doesn't rise, hey, we have no hope of rising ourselves either. And just to be clear, like I'm not downplaying Jesus' death in any way. The cross is amazing. It's a wonderful thing to consider. It's Jesus' atoning work for our sin. It's magnificent. And it's sufficient too. You remember on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. So I'm not downplaying it in any, in any way. I'm just saying Jesus didn't just come to atone for sin. He came to crush sin under his feet. So since Jesus not only died, but rose, he demonstrated that God, not sin, but God has the final word. The power of God is stronger than the power of sin. And the hold that God has on us as believers is stronger than any hold that sin and death can ever have over us. As believers, you need to understand the salvation with which you are saved. There is no power that's strong enough to just break that or snatch it or steal it away. Like it's not as though Satan can just come in and, you know, issue some crippling blow and all of a sudden, oh, all that stuff that God worked for is just gone. No, no, no. We are totally saved and safe and secure in our salvation. The resurrection is proof of that. Jesus has the final word. And there's more. It's like an infomercial, right? Since Jesus rose... Those of us who believe in him have hope that we will also rise as well. So just as death wasn't the end for Jesus, death is also not the end for us as believers. You remember in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, it said, Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He was the first and he's the best. No one before Jesus ever died and came back to life permanently. He was the first. And this tells us that the rest of us are going to follow suit. As Jesus rose from, from death, so too will we rise with him in the end. As he rose never to die again, so too will we rise as believers never to die again. As Jesus rose in a resurrected body to go and, and be in the presence of the Father, so too will we rise in a resurrected body and go and stand in the presence of God. And you say, well, Braden, how can I be sure about that? Well, I'm just telling you, you can be sure of it because it happened to Jesus. He is the first fruits and we get to follow in his pattern and his precedent. And he goes before us in triumphal procession, the scripture says. So what I'm saying is this, the resurrection secures us. It reminds us that we are held in the hand of God as believers. Our salvation cannot be taken away or snatched by the enemy. And also we can face death with confidence because we know exactly what's going to become of us. The resurrection is what cements this for us. We are completely secure in the victory that Christ has won. The second thing we're going to look at, point number two, is this. The resurrection strengthens us. It secures our salvation, so our eternity is taken care of. It also strengthens us in the here and now. Now, you probably don't need me to tell you this, but I'll tell you anyway. Life is hard. Life is difficult. You say, wow, Braden, that's really worth the price of admission. Just like, hold on for a minute while I write that one down. 
But it's true. The world is a difficult and cruel and confusing and, and painful place sometimes. And sometimes we wonder where God is in the midst of that. We say, well, Lord, how could you tolerate if you're supposed to be so good, how could you tolerate this kind of stuff happening? How could you tolerate this happening to me? And I'm sidebarring a little bit, but the world is the way that it is, the broken and, and painful and crazy place that it is, because of sin. Like this is not how God created or designed it. So what I'm saying is that the key is to not blame God when we're going through difficult times. The key is to seek the Lord and trust Him for strength to get us through the difficult times. There's a big difference there. And the fact that Jesus has been raised brings us strength. If you move on a little further ahead in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 58, it says, Therefore, and you guys know that's one of my favorite words to come across in Scripture because I get to tell you that when you see the word therefore in the Bible, that means you've got to look at what was just said in order to understand what's about to be said. And what was just said in 1 Corinthians 15 was, hey, Jesus has been risen from the dead, and we have hope because he is alive, and the sting of sin and death has been taken away. We know that we're going to rise with him. And verse 57 says uh, that God has given us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of this, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is language of being fixed in place and being solid and being unwavering. And the implication, just if you read that, what's implied is, hey, there are forces and powers and things in the world that are going to try to get you off track and make you stumble and, and have you not be steadfast or immovable. But because Jesus is victorious, because Jesus is greater, his victory spills over into all other areas and aspects of our lives. I'm telling you, it is possible to be so secure in Christ and so encouraged by remembering what he has done that we don't have to be phased by all of the craziness going on around us. That's what this means. And you say, well, Braden, that sounds nice, but you don't know me. You don't know my circumstances. And friend, you might be absolutely right. I may not know your circumstances, but I know Jesus. And I know that in Christ, yes, there are still going to be difficult days and struggles and hard times and bad things that will happen. But I'm saying because he is victorious, we don't have to sink and get crushed under the weight of our circumstances. He gives us strength to get through each and every day. Now, in addition, though, to just being strengthened to the degree that we can just survive through the day, that's kind of a defensive posture, like we're just kind of weathering the storm and just scraping by. We can actually move to the offensive and get to living and working and serving the Lord through the strength that he gives us, right? We're supposed to be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. This implies that we're to be laboring for the kingdom and doing stuff. God, didn't, God doesn't want us just to barely make it through the day. He wants us to be strengthened to the degree that, hey, we're going out and we're serving as effective agents for his kingdom. And we actually get to work and serve and strive 
for the most meaningful cause that's ever existed in the history of the world, and that's Jesus Christ. Friends, there is ministry to be done. There are lives to change. There are things in our own lives we need to grow into and grow out of. We have a God to make much of and and to reflect in our behavior and to point others to. And I'm saying that He strengthens and empowers and emboldens us to do it. It's all made possible by the resurrection. It's all possible because Jesus is Lord. Because He is victorious, we can experience victory over things in our lives. Hey, because Jesus has overcome the world, we do not have to worry about the world overcoming us. Because of the work He has done, we get to devote ourselves to working for and with Him. Isn't that awesome? The resurrection, yes, it strengthens us so we can get through the day. And it also strengthens us for useful and fruitful service to the kingdom, which is going to lead us to number three, which is the resurrection sends us. If you flip back in your Bible to Matthew 28, because I told you we'd be dancing around. We read verses 1 to 10 earlier, and remember that was... Uh, they find the tomb empty. Jesus has risen. Now go ahead to verse 18. And this, this is Jesus talking to his disciples now. And he says, well, it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I want you to make note that in the Gospel of Matthew, this is the first recorded thing that he says to his disciples. It's the first. It's not, hey boys, did you miss me? How you guys doing? Like, do you want to go for a burger and fries and chat? This is what he says. This is it right here. So, so what I want you to see is that This is the first conversation he has in resurrected form with his disciples that we know of. This is not at all detached or separate from the resurrection. Now, the resurrection, as wonderful as it is to marvel at and just think about and dwell on, it's not not only something just to stand and stare at, okay? It's not like a piece of art or like a nice picture that you can just look at to escape reality for a while. My mind instantly goes to, some of you maybe have this right now, on your your computer, your desktop, a background of the tropical island with all the palm trees and the sandy beach and the sunshine, that you can just look at that when you're stressed out at work and go, oh, everything's better, okay? The resurrection is not just like that. Um, It has sending power. The resurrection has sending power. It compels us to act. It leads us to do something. So first of all, if you look at this scripture again, it says, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And and how quickly we can just blow by this, right? In the wake of his atoning work on the cross and his subsequent victory over sin and the grave, Jesus is metaphorically handed the keys to the Ferrari, okay? And I want to just point out, Jesus already had a pretty good amount of authority before this. Amen? Now it says he has all authority. It's been given to him. Well, there's really only one who can give him all authority. That would be the Father. So what I want us to understand is that this is, this is God-given authority. 
So as the people of God, hey, we got to listen up. We can't just blow by what Jesus is saying here. And with his God-given authority, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That, my friends, is our God-given mission. This is called the Great Commission. And how conveniently it's broken down into four simple parts. The first one is this. It's go. It's just go. Go. It's not very difficult. This actually is best translated and expressed um, with as you go. So this isn't saying necessarily, oh, you've got to just drop everything and go on a missions trip to Africa. You can do that if you want. God bless you on that. But this is meaning as you go. But either way, it still implies intentionality. It still implies action. It still implies you get off the couch and you shut off Netflix and you do something for the Lord. Go. Number two is this. Make disciples. And just as a spoiler alert, um, you probably haven't heard the last of that expression. Uh, this is something that the leaders have been talking about uh, in our church, and we're going to be revisiting it. So when we do, you'll say, oh, Braden told me so on Easter. Now, a disciple is essentially someone who follows. So as believers in Jesus, we are followers, disciples of Jesus. And essentially, here's, here's kind of what's going on. We, as followers of Jesus, need to make sure that we are growing in our relationship with Him, that we are seeking Him, serving Him, and centering ourselves on Him, and, and growing kind of in all aspects of the Word. We are also to help other people come to know Christ and help them grow in their faith and help them to center their lives on Him. That's what this is talking about. And I want to just tell you, this isn't the work of the few, like, oh, that's what the pastors will do, or the elders, or the ministry leaders, my life group leader will do that. No, if you're a believer, like, you're called to this, this discipleship uh, stuff, you're called to it. So the question then is, what am I doing as a believer, as a disciple, to grow in my faith and my following of Christ? And what am I doing to help others grow in their faith and their following of Christ? Number three is baptize. And I really actually love that this one's in here because it implies that as we're going and as we're engaging in this discipleship business, it's actually going to work. And people are going to get saved and praise the Lord. It's going to be awesome. And as that happens, we'll baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, just like Jesus said. And number four is this, teach them to obey. So I've said before, life in Christ is about more than just getting saved and then you're done. Matter of fact, that's just the beginning. When you get saved, you now have a whole life to grow into your faith and, and seek the Lord and serve Him and love Him and worship Him. And a part of this process is this concept of obedience. The Bible talks a lot about, hey, if you love the Lord, you'll obey the Lord. Those two are very interconnected. So I'm saying if we claim Jesus as Lord and that we love Him, the Bible tells us we need to obey. And we also are to help other people grow in their obedience. And there's lots of mechanics to that. We won't go on those today. I want to just tell you, though, what I want to encourage you in is when you see this talk about obedience and obeying, I don't want you to associate that with a life of drudgery and misery like you're a robot or a puppet. 
When we're in a place of loving obedience to Christ, this is actually where we experience the most joy, the most fulfillment, the most peace, uh, the most closeness to the Lord. That's like the very best lane to be in. So that's our mission. It's all for the glory and the renown of our King Jesus. And I, again, want to just point out, make note who issued the command. Okay? We can't just say, I don't really feel like doing this. That sounds like not me. Someone else will do it. Remember who said that we need to do it. It's the one with all God-given authority. Okay? We can't just say, no, thank you. And Jesus, if you remember from Matthew 28, the little bit of encouragement he leaves us at the end. He says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And friends, that's very comforting because we know that as we go and engage in the mission, he's with us. As we work and serve and strive to center our lives on Him and help others do the same, He empowers that activity in us. Our lives are not lived in vain if they are lived for Jesus Christ. We get to give of ourselves to someone greater than ourselves. The resurrection sends us. That's Pretty much all I had to say today, I feel like I've gone on quite long enough, but friends, I hope that you are encouraged as we are talking about and considering the resurrection. Uh, it's a monumental thing to celebrate. It secures us, it strengthens us, and it sends us. My friends, Jesus has won. Jesus is alive, and he has won. Jesus is victorious. The end has been written. And listen, though the battle rages on around us, the outcome of the war has already been decided. Jesus is greater. And to him belongs all the glory and all the hype and all the praise and the honor and the majesty and the attention and, and our affection and, and all of our devotion. This is all about Jesus. So let's not let this time pass us by without giving him uh, the credit and the praise that he deserves. Um, I want to pray for us as we're wrapping up. So wherever you're watching or listening from, I would just encourage you to, to bow your head with me as we go to the Lord. So first of all, Lord, we acknowledge and we give you thanks that you are alive. We say, yes, Lord, you have conquered the grave. You have, you have stomped sin under your feet and you have won the victory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And we are so glad to be your people and to share in your victory with you, Lord Jesus. This is a wonderful time of celebration. God, my prayer for my brothers and sisters today is that we would, um, that we would by your spirit, get a hold of this stuff and start to walk in it, Lord. I'm praying for, I'm praying for my church family today, God that uh, you would remind us, especially those who need particular reminding, Lord, that the resurrection secures us, God. If there's anyone sort of doubting their faith or wondering, uh, you know, if their salvation stuck or whatever, Lord, I'm praying that you'd remind them that it's secure and concrete in the resurrection of Christ. Lord, I'm praying that the resurrection would strengthen us, that we as a people, God, would be reminded that you give us strength. That's, that's just a testimony of the strength that you can give us, Lord, to not only get through the day, but to go on the offensive and live and work and serve you, Lord. I pray also that we would get a handle on how the resurrection sends us, God. I'm praying that you would help us get up off the couch and to go. 
and do your work, Lord. I'm praying that you would provide us with opportunities and you would give us boldness and courage to do that, Lord Jesus. Again, I thank you for this time we can spend together praising you and getting into your word and remembering this wonderful story. We give you thanks and all the praise. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus is alive. Thanks for watching. God bless you all.